You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. Welcome. My name is Kate. I'm one of the pastors here, and today I get the privilege of bringing you week four of our Ready for Rest series. Week one, And week two, Alex spoke, and he spoke about Sabbath and scripture. And last weekend, Bettina did an awesome job talking about simplicity. Um, And so this weekend, I get to talk about prayer. And so as we jump in, let me just tell you guys that I am a person of action, okay? Um, Many of you have heard the saying, ready, aim, fire. I have a tendency to be more of a ready, fire, aim, try to move the missile while it's in the air. And I just, I think like, this isn't to say that I don't care about the details or I'm not organized, um, that I don't think about things. Surprisingly, I am incredibly organized. I'm really good with my calendar. I'm really good with structure and organization. Um, But I guess at the cost of planning, I choose to execute, okay? I think that some planning and ownership and some execution, we can really solve much of the world's problems. Unfortunately, though, most people, they don't always work with my plan. So it adds a little bit of conflict, and um, that's really stressful for people around me sometimes. <laughs> Living life intentionally, this, this leads to a purposeful life. So let's go, let's do, let's make things happen. Um, and then we can just figure out this stuff as we go, you know, some of the problems that just come up. We can just clean it up as we go, right? Uh, One time I was putting together this this workbench for the love of my life and um, because that's just like who I am, so kind like that. And this drawer that I had like assembled and put together, it just like wouldn't close. And so I just like hauled off on it and pushed it and made it happen and ball bearings went everywhere. And as I was scourging the basement floor, trying to find these little ball bearings, they're just so little also, like why they gotta be so small? Um, I thought to myself, and this is why it's so important to get more information before leaping into action. Instead of taking it slow and steady and trying to finesse the drawer and see perhaps what was going on, I beast moded it. I just forced it into place. Now, I have a really great story about how inaction can really be a way of submitting to a greater plan and how it can, um, that the inaction is actually an effective form of doing when done well. And I'm looking forward to sharing about that, but we're going to do that a little bit later today. For now, I just want to invite you to consider what kind of person are you? Sit back, take some time and to think about this, okay? Some of us think just like me, let's go. Just take action, let's make things happen. We can manage the consequences of unfiltered plans as we go, okay? This can be seen as impulsive, perhaps. But when we jump first and then look second, we end up striving. Uh, We end up striving to control and manage all of the pieces as they're happening, striving because you're trying to manage what you've put into practice. And this can often lead to us feeling stressed out and overwhelmed because there are things that have come up and we haven't really thought about all the details. Some of us, on the other hand, think, let's wait. 
We need to think about every detail, every option, before we can do anything. We need to look at every rental on VRBO and then price check it with Airbnb. <laughs> or we research every type of deodorant and the ratings on each one of them. And uh, when we're shopping on Amazon, we read every single review and figure out the five stars and the one stars. And, and this really leads us potentially to missing out on really great opportunities. We can take our time and we can consider every potential consequence and how we can manage those things before experiencing them. Having a backup plan to a backup plan to a backup plan. And this can lead to procrastination. This method of living can often lead to us worrying because you're routinely thinking about the action not working out and planning for the worst just-in-case scenario. These responses of striving and worrying aren't just natural consequences of personality types, but these are also discipleship habits that take us the wrong direction in our lives because they're both natural responses to something happening that we don't know what to do about. And we don't want to be victims of circumstances. But we also don't want to live in a place of arrogance, of thinking that we know what's best for ourselves. So what's the third way then? Because what I have consistently seen following Christ and pursuing health and transformation is that there is almost always a third way of doing things. Inviting God into your processing and your decision making, this this is a third way. The way that we do that as followers of Christ is most often done through prayer. We want to meet the unknowns of life with the habit and the discipline of prayer, not with striving and worrying. And oftentimes prayer, it can feel intimidating to people. It can often feel like it comes with a list of unknowns and, and complications, saying the right words, knowing when to stop taking action and knowing when to take action. How do I hear from the Lord? And, and when do I just walk away from a prayer request? And I'm not going to answer all of those questions individually because as Alex said about Sabbath, we could actually do a whole series on praying because there is so much to prayer. Scripture is full of it. So if you're interested in learning more, I would love to recommend uh, the Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Disciplines. He's got a great chapter on prayer there. So just get that book, read through it. It's spectacular. God has a lot to say about prayer. And I could talk ad nauseum about all of the verses about prayer, and, uh, but we don't have enough time. So I just wanna give a quick overview of prayer. There are 367 verses in scripture that use the word pray. And that's not even mentioning the countless stories about people going to the Lord or how people went before the Lord to request information and guidance. Scripture shows us that there are many ways to pray. For example, we can use words or we can simply groan out to God if we don't know how to pray or we don't know what to pray. In Romans 8.26, it says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Bible tells us to be confident 
that God listens to us if we ask for anything that has his approval. In 1 John 5, 14, that's what it says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything in according to his will, he hears us. The Apostle, tell, the Apostle Paul, he tells us to pray without ceasing. It just says, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually, do not stop. And throughout the pages of scripture, people pray about all kinds of circumstances. In Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 30, it says he is in an emergency, okay? And he doesn't know what to do, and he turns to the Lord, and the Lord helps him. David, we've got 2 Samuel 11, constantly throughout David's reign, he seeks the will of God. One example of when he didn't do this was with Bathsheba. He makes this heinous decision of this horrible sin, and then he endures the consequences of his actions. He repents. He turns to the Lord and finds redemption in the presence of God. David is known as a man after God's own heart. Hezekiah, uh, this army, it shows up to defeat them. He's in this unexpected crisis. He says, I can't do this. He cries out to God. He fasts, tries to endure it and suffer through it. And then he cries out to God in need saying, please help me, Lord. And God says, I got this. There are just innumerable stories in scripture about prayer and how people seek after the will of God and how they don't and what that looks like and how they endure and suffer or they overcome and that God is their ezer. He comes in and he does for them that which they cannot do for themselves. All that to say, okay, is that prayer is a huge topic. But to summarize, one of the most important things I learned while preparing for this message is that prayer is not lazy, it is not ineffective, it's not a waste of time. And oftentimes we can feel like that. We can feel like this isn't amounting to anything. I'm not seeing anything happening. What I saw in scripture though, and what I have felt and experienced in my own walk with the Lord is that prayer matters, prayer changes things, and that we're commanded to pray. Now, I don't understand completely, nor do I have a complete handle on why things turn out the way that they do. Why God answers prayers the way that he does, why he wants us to pray specific words or requests. All I know is that scripture tells us to do it, and I personally have experienced actual difference because of prayer in my world, going to God and asking him to support me, to change me, to give me wisdom, discernment, guidance. Now, in our time together, I want to camp out a little bit in the book of Exodus. So, because in, in this book, Moses actually shows us in his own life how prayer opened a third way for him between striving and worrying. So, before we dive into the specific passage that I'm going to talk about, Exodus 14, 1 through 31, I want to give you some context and some overview. So in this chapter, we see the Israelites, they leave Egypt. They head into the wilderness. Pharaoh chases after the Israelites because he's changed his mind about letting them go free. The Israelites flee to escape Pharaoh's power, his army, and continued slavery. And Pharaoh loads up his chariots. He takes the Egyptians to chase after them. The Egyptians nearly catch up to them. The Israelites confront Moses with their fear of getting caught. And here's where we're going to pick up. Verse 11, it says, uh, the Israelites say to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? 
what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses says to them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14, I love this. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In this story, okay, we really see the order of things being done well. We see Moses taking time to be still before the Lord. Let's wait. Okay, let's wait. Then, then, then he waits to hear from God about when to move into the space of let's go. So he's got a both, let's wait and let's go. God says to Moses in the next verse, why are you crying out to me? Raise your staff, split the seas. He has already told him you have won this battle. Go, trust me. So what does Moses do when confronted by this real turmoil where the Israelites are, are confronting him and complaining to him and crying out to him? Instead of worrying, or freaking out or panicking or letting the fear of the crowd overwhelm him. He declares his trust in God. And then he turns to God in prayer. And this is a model for us to follow. It says that God's response was, why are you crying out to me? This was so fascinating to me because as I picked this story, because I love that verse of uh, you need only to be still that the Lord will fight for you, I thought like, uh-oh, <laughs> this is in contradiction to what I'm telling people to do, uh, to go before the Lord, to pray, to ask him for guidance and wisdom. And then here we have God saying like, why are you crying out to me? Get out of here. Go fight him. But he says, uh, he says here uh, this whole perspective of, um, trust in me. I, I, Moses is telling the people, trust in me. Uh, trust in the Lord. The Lord has, has already won this battle. And so I'm thinking, like, doesn't this negate everything that I just told everybody to do? What does God mean by this? And so I dug in deeper to try to understand. And I'm sure that there is way more to this passage than I could fully comprehend or that I could understand. But I don't see God saying in this scripture, don't bring your struggles to me. Don't talk to me but affirming Moses. He's affirming that Moses has the power that he needs to overcome this battle. God could be saying, I've already told you what to do. Step out in faith now and do it. Let's go. And what I thought was so interesting, because I was like, okay, chapter 14, this, this really like kind of negates what I was just saying. So then I went back to chapters 10, 11, 12, 13, because I want context and you should too. I think it's a beautiful thing. And so I read all, all five of those chapters. And in chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13, God had already interacted with Moses. He'd already interacted with Moses and he answered his prayers. God was going to go before him and he had already said that to him. And that's why I think Alex's sermon on scripture and reading scripture is so important because I'm not just cherry picking a verse. It is important to understand all context and, and the way that it goes together. I was so excited about this part of my message that God speaks to us, you guys, that he is all throughout scripture laying it out for us. God is communicating to Moses that he has what it takes. What I discern and experience from this text is that the order that we engage in circumstances, it matters. Listen, Moses listens to the Israelites. He assesses his circumstances, 
He's saying, let's wait. And then he goes in to pray. Moses, he, he has this prayer pattern. And, and it's to begin with, let's wait, okay? Until God says, let's go. So evaluate your motivations within the request. When we start with, let's go, we are thinking that we have the power to change the situation. But when we start with prayer, we are recognizing that our power is so limited and that only God can change things at their core. And then we follow that up with ACT. Use your skills, use your abilities to engage as is appropriate. Let's go. And then always and forever, praise God. Praise God for the outcomes. Thank him for what he has done inside of you and in circumstances around you. And they don't always come out the way that we're wanting. They don't always come out to what we think is best. We see in the next chapter of Exodus that Moses and the sons of Israel are singing a song to the Lord. And I encourage you, continue reading. Read through Exodus 10 through 15. It is so powerful about the transformation and what prayer has to say for us. As I said when I started this message, I'm an action type. I take charge, I confront, I do, I make things happen. It's one of my greatest assets. This is a real gift. And it's also a little bit of a curse, okay? Uh, as with all of us, our strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. And so the way that I see my strength and our strengths being shaped and reformed is only through submission to the Lord, through giving it to him and saying, please redeem me, please refine me. When we go to God first, before seeking impulsivity or procrastination, striving or worrying, we are able to consider in a more well-rounded way how to find the third way of doing our life. I love kids. I love children. I think that they are such a joy to build relationships with. They are the best. Uh, they say the funniest things. And I don't have children of my own, but I have spent copious amounts of time pouring into other people's children, a majority of which aren't related to me. And I cannot tell you the joy that it brings me. <clears throat> I have a nephew, and I have not had the pleasure of meeting him yet. <sighs> Due to circumstances that are just simply out of my control, I don't get to have a relationship with him. He was born two years ago, and I have committed to pray for him every morning of my life. I pray for his mom and his dad, and I pray for a chance to see him. And for two years, I've been praying that. And um, on May 4th, I had plans with my boyfriend and his girls, and we were going to go do this May 4th uh, activity, and I was super excited about it. We are going to go to this gaming place and play games, and I was super pumped about it. I have plans, and I like to keep my plans. And when Aaron messaged me and said, hey, the girls want to play outside today because it's beautiful, I was like, I'm easygoing. I can modify. I can change plans easily. It was a struggle, <laughs> but I did it because, you know, I love to be outside more than anything, so it was really great. And then I got to Aaron's, and we're getting the bikes ready. We're going to ride bikes to go get ice cream, and I have an ice cream maker, so I was a little bit disappointed because it's, like, cheaper and better ice cream. But I was like, hey, it's about the experience, being with my people. It took much longer because it was the first time that we were riding our bikes. So it was, like, an hour of, like, fixing the bikes. We had to put brakes on and this whole thing. But I was easy going, right? I can go with the plan. I can modify. And um, 
So we get on our bikes, we go to Dairy Queen, and we walk in the door. And I won't go through all of the details because it's a lot. Um, but my nephew was there. <laughs> and um, the mom left with him. Um, and uh, I didn't have a chance to actually uh, meet him. I said hello to the mom and she promptly left. Um, but the gift of that experience, I got to see him from afar, respectfully. Um, but the power of prayer, you guys. I've been praying for two years to meet him. And contrary to the mom's wishes and, and contrary to my striving or, or managing of the situation, God made a way. He managed that situation. And what I heard from him was be still. I will go before you. And so when Haley asked me if I would get to meet him, I had an assurance to say one day, one day I'll get to meet him. Because I trust the Lord. I trust in his plan. I trust in what he's doing inside of me. And I will continue to pray. I'll be more specific about my prayer because originally my prayer was that I would get to see him. And now I think that I'm going to pray that I get to meet him. So if you join me in praying for that, that would be awesome. But now I want to invite you guys to consider. Uh, you impulsive, uh, striving folks. Can you consider how to incorporate some space between information or circumstances or decision making and ask the Lord for some guidance? Procrastinating, worrisome folks. Can you maybe consider taking less space between information and decision making and allow God to encourage you to be brave and make a choice to take action, to, to trust in what he has called and gifted you to do? that you have the knowledge, that you have the skill sets. Oftentimes, maybe we're asking the wrong question when we're praying. Instead of asking the Lord what to do, maybe we need to ask God how we should be, how we should be and who we should be becoming in the land in between. Sometimes, that, sometimes we've just been praying for something for so long that it feels futile. I found that instead of asking God for an answer, I've started to ask God to shape me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting in very many areas of my life. And during my time of waiting, I am asking God to shape me, to heal me, to transform the way that I think and believe and live, to give me more of a holy heart and more holy desires. And I would invite you guys all to join me in that. What does he have to teach you or to change in you or to reveal in you? How can you do this in your world personally? There's a couple things that I want to encourage you to consider doing. Some people we accidentally pray. We just like have an experience and it just, we're like, oh God, help me with this. And I want to encourage you guys to consider maybe dedicating specific time to pray, to pray on purpose. It's a really cool opportunity that uh, is fully available to you. Whether you are a kid, a student, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're uh, working full-time and your, your life is so full, bringing some prayer time into your life can bring some centering. The other thing is I'd encourage you to start a prayer journal. 
I actually found one of my prayer journals um, that was super cool <laughs> of when I first accepted Jesus and it was like the most sweet prayers and learning how to pray and I was just really humbled by where God has taken me and I'm just grateful for this opportunity to reflect on the things and to see how God answers prayers very uniquely and specifically. And so when you have a prayer journal, you can write down the things that you would like to see happen or things that you're working through or for the people in your life. And later you can look back and see how God has answered those prayers. One of the very uh, simple things um, in regards to a prayer journal is you could do uh, what's called ACTS, A-C-T-S, it's an acronym. I didn't make a slide for this, I'm really sorry, but it's adoration. So write down the things that you love about God. Two, confession. Write down how you've fallen short, apologize for those things, make real apologies in person whenever possible, but confess to the Lord. Thanksgiving, what are you grateful for? then, then the S, so A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. Ask for stuff. Supplication is just a fancy word for saying like, hey God, this is what I need in my life. I need more patience. I need more grace. Uh, I need a new car. I need a new job. Please help me, Lord. So list of people or things to be praying for. These are other things that you could do. Uh, pray specifically for different things each day. You could have a list of things like on Mondays, I pray for staff and their spouses and families. And on Tuesdays, I pray for my volunteers. And on Wednesdays, I pray for members. So you can do something like that. Some of you are thinking about the complications that I shared earlier about using the right words or saying the right things. And Jesus specifically talks about this when he's addressing people. He said, please don't stand on the corners babbling. It's not about the words. It's about the condition of your heart. Going to God and saying, I bring this to you. When in doubt, simply bring your requests, your people, your situations to the foot of cross and ask God to help them live into the great commands. So, Right now, I want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted Christ, I want, to, I want to invite you to consider trusting in him for the first time today. Jesus, he was a real man who walked on this earth and he lived a sinless, perfect life. And he died on a cross. He was crucified for us, for our sins. And three days later, he rose again, defeating death. And he desires a personal and intimate relationship with you. And so I invite you into a place today where you can say, I am a sinner. And I need the grace and the forgiveness and the resurrection of Jesus to change my life. And I'm going to pray right now. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made of your son, Jesus, who was perfect and sinless and died for us. And for those listening, Lord, right now who've never accepted your son as their savior, I ask that you would rescue them, restore them into right relationship with you because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. It's in, his son, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. If you've made a decision to follow Christ today, please let us know. We would love to come alongside of you and help you understand how to live fully into that transformation. Thanks for being here. We look forward to seeing you next weekend.